How's it, everybody? Um, I will intro myself for you, for those of you who don't know me. My name is Frank. My, I, lead, I have the privilege of leading this site with my beautiful wife, Rosie, which is over there. And uh, <laughs> we have been off for the last two months um, because we've just had a little girl, Sia. <laughs> and uh, she's two months old and... I'm sure you guys can see I've become a bit of a father figure over the last couple of months. Um, but uh, it is what it is, hey? You know, sleepless nights, new life. It's amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. So thanks so much, guys, for giving us a time off. And thanks so much for keeping this place running. It's not Frank and Rosie. It's not the elders, and it's all of us together. You know, I walked in here this morning. If you haven't been upstairs, please go, because it's like night and day. I mean, we, it's a, it's a, what the Lord is doing upstairs is incredible, but also what the Lord is doing here. I mean, that worship was incredible this morning. I look at what the, the that youth trip, I mean, we led the youth uh, before Terry and Jonathan, and I know what it's like. You know, I know what it's like driving down, big packet of chips with those big orange fruit loops that block your stomach and you're like, oh, why, why, is, my, why is everyone sick? Well, why do you think? Because we chowed like eight kilos of those hard fruit loop things, you know? And like you're just stopping and this one needs to stop and now I need to go here and now the shop and now this and you get there and then it's just a madhouse. But the Lord is moving you know, through you guys, he's building the next generation. I want to commend you, but also the guys that went down. You thinking, you go on a trip and you're thinking, Lord, bless me. And then it's just everybody. The Lord just comes down. He does something when you, when you sacrifice comfortability to go and preach the gospel or to go and tell someone about Jesus or to just be part of a team, you know, and really guys, good start to the year, incredible to see Mark, good preach there, amazing, <laughs> the Lord is really working and, you know, in the lighthouse, um, so yeah, that's a, a bit of a, you know, just coming back after two months, I believe there's been some good sessions here, some good meetings and the Lord has really been moving, so I, I, I want to start off with what I'm feeling for 2024, just as, as me, personally, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a worker, as a leader, I, I just want to present to you what I'm feeling for 2024, but I also want to say, I think it's God's master plan for everybody. And that's why he's just reminding us of it. So, so I want to start off with a question. Why do you think God would choose you? Or choose to save you? Why would he select you? Or me? Why? Just ponder that for a minute. Just think about re really like. What do I have to offer? And you might have quite a bit to offer. But why would God choose you? So then we, Alan Parfit came, came to us 
last year. Sorry, guys, I, I, I can't use my hands because I've got this mic here, so I can't. Uh, but um, Alan Parfit came to us, and he said something that stuck with me since then, Deuteronomy 7.7. 7. He said this. I just want to get it quick. I don't know if the scriptures are coming up, but it says, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. So you you didn't have much. He was talking to the nation of Israel at the time. For you were the smallest of all nations. So there was bigger nations, more powerful nations. You were actually the smallest. So it says, the Lord did not choose you or set his heart upon you because of that. Rather, that's what Mark said, simple, Rather, in the NLT, it says this, it was simply that the Lord loves you. That's why he chose you. That's why we took communion this morning. You know, I thought, brilliant. What better way to come in and take communion and remember what Jesus did for us, his body and his blood broken for us. You know, back in the day, and some churches are still like that, the pulpit's up there. And the communion table is in the middle. And now we've swapped it around. And communion's on the side, and the preacher stands here. But I want to say, the Word of God is the power. But the blood is the love. This is where we get our direction, and we learn about God. But that's the ultimate sacrifice. You know, and it's, it's just the Lord's love and power. That's why he chose you, because he loves you, you know. And, and, and I thought, like, I've been pondering that over the holidays. So why? Because he loves you. Is it that simple? Yes. Yeah, but I didn't do this and this, and I'm, you know, messed up a bit. Yeah. So did the Israelites. But he didn't choose them for what they had to offer. He chose them because he loved them. How's this? John 3.16. You ask yourself, God, why would you choose me? Jesus himself says, for you didn't choose me, I chose you. And it says this, for God so loved or loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Why? That you will not perish but have eternal life. That's it. It's like, it's so profound that people are still trying to work it out. But the world can't understand this love without the power of the Holy Spirit and God revealing it to them. And us. I think we are going on a journey of learning about God's love, you know. You know, I had a... I had a I had a small moment of like, wow, like a little revelation of how God loves us. We were at Ishaka, burning, it was hot, sunburnt. We were there going to watch the dolphin show. Dolphin show's cruising, get some popcorn, pull in there, we're chowing. I feel something in my mouth. I hear like, and I'm like, "Mm, that was a bit of a hard like. Colonel, 
like jam of popcorn. There's the dolphins. Can't remember their names. They're all jumping. And then next thing I'm like, I think half my tooth is gone. <laughs> but now here's my son enjoying the show. And I just thought, I'm his dad. You know, the Bible says God needs nothing from you. If he was hungry, he wouldn't tell you. If he needed something, he wouldn't ask you. And I felt like in that moment, I could kind of ruin it for everybody and complain. Or I could just be like a father. Allow my son to enjoy what he's doing. And I will just look after them and then I'll deal with my stuff. Now, I'm not saying I'm God. Which you, I'm just saying, I just felt like the father heart for a second, how God doesn't ruin things for us. He doesn't come in and complain to us. Why? Because he's God. He doesn't tell us. He doesn't need to tell us. And he's, he has chosen you because he loves you. I don't know. It just felt like, so why would God choose to save you? Because he loves you. Okay. So save from what? What would he save you from? What is he saving you from? Do we know? That you would not perish, but have eternal life. So if, if I'm having eternal life, what's the opposite of eternal life? Eternal. So now you can choose. Picture this. You walk in. Suppose you owe 100 grand. Or what is that? Is that too small nowadays? I don't know. Suppose you owe a bar, a million bucks. You must pay, what's the date? 21st. You must pay on the 29th. You must appear at the bank and tell the guys. Either I've got the million or there's a problem. You, you don't have the money. You walk into the bank. Million bucks. You're praying. You've been asking your wife, what should you do? She says, do the right thing. Go there and tell them you don't have the money. I say, thanks. <laughs> shouldn't we borrow she says no no borrowing you go there and you tell them you walk into the bank the bank manager says oh frank a million bucks oh that debt's been paid by who no it's it's just been paid don't worry about it you can go oh let me take another million <laughs> that's how we no you feel you feel no what do you mean? Start asking. What do you mean it's actually been paid? The guy says, it's been paid, and you don't owe anything more. The guy came in and paid it. What more must I say to you? And then you start thinking, but what did I do? Nothing. Actually, I ran myself into debt. I ran myself into trouble. I found I pulled us all in here, and this guy comes in and pays my debt and wants nothing for it. And that's kind of, well, that is <laughs> what the Lord is saving you from, eternal debt, eternal consequence of sin. I mean, we, sat, we sang, oh, happy day. What a glorious day. What, I will never be the same. 
you washed my sin away. You never have to worry. It's like you never have to worry that you will be condemned forever. And if you're not saved, this is the message. Jesus, God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you, to wash away, to cancel your debt so that you will live in eternity with him. Simple. But there's one thing, God's love. And Gibbo shared it this morning, and I thought it was brilliant. That's what sent Jesus to the cross. It's exactly that, the Father's love. There was a story. Was it, Abe, was it Isaac on the, and his father was about to sacrifice his son. And I believe in that moment, God knew, I know what it's going to feel like. Stop. Because for a father to sacrifice their son, it's unfixable. You, you've taken a piece of, you know, for a mother, for, you know, you've taken a piece of that person away. And God does it, sacrifices his son for you and me. And your mate. And that oak around the corner. And the guy at the shop. And the people at the gym. And the oak who's robbed you. And the person who stole from you. And so, so God's love sent Jesus to the cross. So I want to I share two things. And then we're going to pray. Paul. The, the apostle Paul Palinio. <laughs> he, um, he wrote quite a bit of the New Testament. And so if you'll go with me to 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12, right? And I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture, but it's going to go, I mean, it's, it's quite simple Scripture, so I think it'll go pretty, just, just read it with me if you have your Bibles. In mine, the title says, The Church as One Body with many parts. Okay, so let's read this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body, just like a car. Try driving with three wheels. You're driving a tricycle. You're not driving a car. <laughs> the church has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. So he's saying, some of us are Greek, some of us are Itais, some of us are Poros, some of us are from Edenvale, 1610, you know, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. So you can say what you like, you can, you can disagree with a couple of things, but there's one thing you can't disagree on, is that you have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So if, you, if you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized, and the Holy Spirit, if you've had a baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the same spirit that we all share. So that makes us have some common ground. 
Yes, the body has different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less of the part of the body. So the foot can say, I'm not a hand, but it's still attached. But try to do squats on your hands. And try to do pull-ups with your feet. You can't. You get what I'm saying? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? That nice chow on a Sunday when you walk in after church. Hmm? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants. How strange a body would be if it had only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, how's this? Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. It's a big one. Especially in the church, in the house, the man walks in. I'm home, and I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty. I'm here. And it's fine to work hard and to provide, and you must provide. But I've seen families that maybe lose someone, a mom. The whole family's destroyed. She was just keeping that family together completely. And the whole family crumbled because she was the fabric of that family. You know what I'm saying? And some parts may seem the weakest. And it's like what Ian was saying. 17 years, someone was praying for him. I don't know who, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was some lady quietly who nobody knew about that was praying for his salvation. And who saved. Don't underestimate. Don't think because you don't see, because you can't see the part in action that it's not covering ground and taking ground. The parts that may seem the, the least or seem the weakest are actually the most necessary. Not important, they are necessary. You need them. That's another story. We might continue this in part two. Okay, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. We'll keep that for part two. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. You know the guys who play cricket? Because otherwise we're going to have an aina, you know? And then we've got problems. So we need to protect them, look after them, cover them. This is, uh, okay, we need to move on here. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect the parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts don't require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts with less, that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. So I'm just putting this quickly together, showing you that the body of Christ is put together harmoniously. 
What does harmony mean? It's beautiful. It's just like this. I walk into the house. I'm hearing a sweet angel's voice. Beautiful. Rosie's singing on the piano there. And it just sounds perfect. Now, if you had walked in there when I was singing, that's not harmony. That is something else. So the harmony among the members so that each member care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. That's why I don't like wearing plackies at the coast in a house that I've just walked into and I don't know where all the furniture is because I'm telling you on the first day I smashed my little toe and I ruined my whole holiday because my toe's like this. Blue, the smallest little thing but it destroys everything. Can't run, I'm limping around the beach, can't catch waves because I nicked my little toe. If one part suffers, the whole body suffers. Men will attest to this. A a tiny little virus. It's called the man flu. It's unseen. (laughs) And you get that thing and it just puts you down and the whole world comes down with you. Because one little part suffers, the whole body suffers. We need to be together. One guy goes down, you pick him up. Oh, it's beautiful. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts. Going through them quickly, not touching on on them. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Then uh, third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help other, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Then he says this. Okay. So here's the list. Now, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Should, do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Full stop. Now what's the next sentence? Can we read it together? Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Okay, let me say it to you. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So I've explained all of this to you, the body, the body is together, it works harmoniously, everything works beautifully together in sync, we help each other, part goes down, we help it. Now guys, that is not just the church, that is your business, that is your family, that is your circle of friends. Have you, if you've ever been in a CrossFit competition and you're trying to carry the worm, and lunging, and the, oak, the last guy is not in harmony, that worm becomes very heavy. Instead of the weight being distributed by four, the one oak in front's carrying the whole thing and everyone else is coasting along. And sometimes we need to help the guy. So he's saying all of this, and then he says this, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And this is where we go. If I could speak 
all of those languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and I, even if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And this is what I want to focus on for the next five minutes, and then we're going to close. Because this is what I believe for 2024. Have you heard the song? 1965. Can't remember the lady's name, but it goes something like, What the world needs now is sweet love. That's what the world needs now. It was true in 1965. It was true in 2,000 years ago when they put Jesus on the cross, and it's true today, 2024. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care about all these things. They want to know that you love them. You can come home. (laughs) Let's move on. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Like that bank manager. Guy walks in, pays somebody else's debt. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's what the world needs. That's what I need. I need that. But let me tell you, you can't force that. I'm going to love this person. Yes. Sometimes for one day, maybe, you can kind of conjure something up, but you can't keep it up unless the Holy Spirit, the power of God, you ask, the, you ask God, God, help me to love, not better, not more, to love like you. Then you'll start seeing, you'll look at someone and the tears will come to your eyes because all the judgments are gone. And you're seeing what God is seeing. So let's look at this. See, quickly, don't confuse love with lust. Lust is kind of an emotion, but it's a selfish one. It's for you. Everything you do is for you, and then you're saying it's love. But that's kind of lust. That is jealous. That is envious. Oh, why does this person have this? Let me do this. and let me. But love is outward. Let me do this for them so I can get what? Nothing. What does God ask from you? Nothing. It blows my mind. It blows my heart, my emotions. Let's go through this list and then I want us to pray. So you know, the Bible says God is love. Right? 
God is love. So if you say, Frank is loud, you are attributing loudness to me. If you say, Frank is slow and unfit at CrossFit, you are attributing that to me. So if you say, God is love, you are putting that attribute on him. And that's what the Bible says. And there's many attributes. You could go and study them. Attributes of God. How's this? It's actually incredible. And the reason why I know love is an attribute of God is because you just swap those words in 1 Corinthians 13 and you look at the nature of God and you quickly see that love is an attribute of God. So if we, if we put his name there, God is patient with you and me. 17 years we heard the story. Some more. Some people, we've been praying for them for years. God is patient. God is kind towards you and me. It says, in the Bible it says, God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's because he's kind that he causes you to repent so you can turn from your sin. God is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. God is not boastful. doesn't come in saying, I'm God. He says, I, the Lord, have spoken, and you'll see. He's not proud. He's not rude. Not jokey, pokey. He's, he's not irritable. This is a big one, for, especially for guys. Why can't this, like, why is this guy like this? Why is this person like that? Is it only me? Seriously? Or maybe it's only, it's only me, probably, hey? He's not irritable. 40 years, the guys walked around the desert complaining, murmuring, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, it's too hot, it's too cold. Thanks for the bread, but we want meat. Thanks for the meat. Oh, it's going stale. Complaining. He was pay- he's not irritable. He keeps no record of being wronged. God says, you, you, you keep no record of my sin. Slow to anger. He doesn't rejoice about injustice. This is a big one. You walk in. He deserved it. Rosie says, did he? Did he actually deserve it? Or did he just make a mistake? Don't rejoice about injustice. God never gives up on you or me or that guy or that girl or that family or that person. Now, the seasons that come to an end, we get that. But God doesn't give up. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful. How's this? He who began the good work will continue it until completion. And the last one. It says this. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. God endures through every circumstance. Even the plan that you made that went out of God's plan. We know God works all things 
for the good of those who love them. And of course, the greatest love story is that he sent his son to die for us. You can't, that is the ultimate endurance that will endure through every circumstance. If you think of the worst thing that can happen, you can be in debt, you can do all these things, but eventually you die. And that would kind of cancel itself for your life. But you now have to suffer the consequence of death, which Jesus erases on the cross and gives you eternal life. Death, you have no... Where is your sting? And so I want to say, I believe this year, 2024, the world, and it's not this year, it's every single year since creation began, this planet has needed God's love. And even more so this year. And I would love for us to stand firstly, if you can, stand with me. I would love for us to pray that God would change something in us. Can we bow our heads?